Grace Auburn family. You are listening to the Grace Auburn Church Podcast. My name is Lee. I serve as our executive pastor and host of this podcast, and it has been so much fun uh, to begin this journey with you. While we consider all that this podcast could entail, we thank you for your patience and for your encouragement. We hope it continues to be a midweek touch point that breathes a little bit of life or joy or humor or comfort wherever it may be needed. Over the course of nearly 14 years in full-time vocational ministry, the bulk of those years being focused on the discipleship and equipping of 18 to 25-year-olds, I've had many conversations with young men and women about careers, switching majors, many conversations that have begun with, hey, I think I might be called into ministry. Can we sit down and talk? And while these conversations often end up in a decision not to go into ministry, not because of any great wisdom or feedback given from yours truly, but because of the Lord's refinement and clarity that often comes when we commit something to the process of prayer and discernment. My first question when someone begins these types of processes is, has consistently come back to this. Can you picture yourself doing anything else, anything besides ministry? If so, you're probably called to that. The calling to be a pastor or ministry leader within a local church is never to be taken lightly. It should be done in the context of prayer-filled community of believers and confirmed by other pastors and elders in that person's life. To think that a life of full-time ministry is going to always be parking lot parties and coffee on the front porch at Ross House, well, I've never met that kind of church leader, at least not any worth his or her salt. I'd like to begin this series of conversations with our staff by stating very plainly on the front end that a person's calling into ministry while unique is no less or more important than any other job when done for the glory of God. But at the same time, there is a unique burden placed on those who are responsible for shepherding, preaching, and equipping the saints for ministry in a local church. The requirements of pastor, elders, and church leaders laid out in Acts and in Paul's letters to the early churches are clear, compelling, and convicting. As I've said, anyone who would consider a calling into vocational ministry shouldn't do so lightly, and they certainly shouldn't do it on an island. And while it is clear from Paul's writings that his missionary church-planting work would not have been able to survive had it not been for the faithful ministry of generosity from the churches that he had already established, filled with faithful businessmen and women, all on fire for the glory of Jesus' name, I'd like to take the next few months to sit down with our staff in one-on-one interviews and look back on their journey into ministry and into this church and their joining of our staff team. The first question I'd like to start each conversation with will hopefully be along the lines of, why would you want to work for a church? Or maybe it'll be the way we wrap up each conversation. But I hope to grab some lighthearted moments along the way with some deep reflections. So by way of introduction, if you'd permit me, I'd like to share my own story. My calling into ministry is a bit of a winding road through the landscape of my early 20s as a young professional, recently married, and living in the wonderful city of Nashville, Tennessee. It was there that the Lord began to work on our hearts, though, for something different. We moved to a new city together weeks after my graduation from Auburn and our wedding in December of 2006 with three main goals. Survive, have a lot of fun, 
and do it all together, just the two of us in a brand new city. Graduating from Auburn with a building science degree and Lacey with a desire to one day go back to nursing school, we knew our first year away from Auburn and on our own would come with plenty of challenges and many adventures. We quickly found a home church, Fellowship Bible Church in Brentwood, Tennessee, and for the first time in either mine or Lacey's lives, we found ourselves sitting under the faithful, regular preaching through God's Word in an expository way. The Word came alive for us. And we had both been walking with Jesus since high school, but these people were different, and we wanted more. By the beginning of the summer of 2007, we knew something had to change. Our jobs were jobs. They were good ones. But we knew there was something else the Lord was leading us to. We'd always talked about China, specifically about adoption. We had friends that had spent time there and in other Asian countries in the years following college. The seed was planted by their stories and our church's commitment to prayerfully engage the unreached places around the world, largely centered in the 1040 window. After one year in Nashville, we moved again, this time across the Pacific. Our trip to China was meant to revolve around English conversations with students, university students in the city in the southwest part of that country, and it was never intended to be a permanent move, more like a five-month dip-your-toe-in-these-waters-and-see-what-kind-of-thing-might-happen. It was that kind of trip. After those few months of relationship building and sharing our lives with college students, we were hooked. At the end of it, Lacey asked me, Hey, what do you think about moving back to Auburn as we walked back home one night to our apartment? Auburn was the last place I thought we'd end up. While I loved the town, it was that. It wasn't a vibrant city. There weren't many universities. There weren't hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands and thousands of college students who didn't know Jesus, or so I thought. But after much prayer and the Lord's showing up in amazing ways, the message was clear. Go back to Auburn and continue what I've begun in you here in China but there with American students. Long story short, God took us all the way to China to do college ministry, simply to change our paradigm of what ministry could look like when the gospel of Jesus intersects the heart, mind, and soul of a young person. And he led us all the way back to Auburn to do that. China was then the soil in which the Lord planted our calling into ministry. In the fall of 2008, we landed back in Auburn, eyes fixed on Jesus, hopeful for what lay ahead, and no idea where to start. Truthfully, we landed back in Auburn, found a house to rent, paid our first month's rent, deposit, turned on the utilities, and had enough money left over to go to the grocery store. Once. By the grace of God, my dad called me with a connection and facilities at the university, and just like that, we were in the town God had led us to, and I was back in construction. Little did I know that Every construction job I've ever had would become for me the means of provision in absolutely key seasons, just like tent making was for Paul, as mentioned in Acts 18. Within our first few months, we found our people once again in the life of a local, vibrant, gospel-centered church. At this point, Lacey and I were sure of a few things. God could do whatever He wanted with us. We loved His Word, and we loved His people. And we had no idea whether discipling college students could ever be a job. Several local groups were excited to have us join their staff, but all of them would have involved raising support, and neither of us felt like that was our next step. 
So we joined a church and told the pastors that, hey, we were here and we were excited to be members and we'd like to volunteer with college students. Fast forward to the end of 2009 and a year's worth of volunteering with college ministry turned into 20 hours per week of coffees, lunches, dinners, and Bible studies. Truly, so many students coming in and out of our house, and we loved it. For us, the calling of pastor was still a hazy reality that we couldn't quite make out, but we loved standing at the crossroads of young people's lives where they considered the way of the world and all of its empty promises and the way of Jesus. We desperately wanted them to consider Jesus. One of the questions I plan to ask all of our staff through these interviews will be something along these lines. And the Lord's leading you to work for His church. Was there a singular voice, or perhaps two, that shaped that season? They could be authors, pastors, family members, anybody. Was there anybody, a singular voice, or maybe a handful, that really spoke into your being called to work for His church? Mine would clearly be two very, very important people, Timothy Keller and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Both Keller's The Prodigal God and Bonhoeffer's Cost of Discipleship and Life Together deeply entrenched my belief in the goodness of God, His kindness and grace, and in His sovereignty over all things, including my job. The Word of God became more than a list of rules in the Old Testament and suggestions for how to live a better life in the New Testament. It truly came alive through their writings, and with that, a burning passion to share with others what God was showing me. For me, the voices of Bonhoeffer and Keller and their faithfulness to live in tough places with full conviction for the way of Jesus was a message I had never heard and one I had to pass on. In 2010, I joined our church's staff team after 18 months of volunteering as the college ministry director. For the next nine years, several amazing things happened. My love for the Lord and passion for His Word continued to grow. I became a reader for the first time in my entire life. God showed me how to study His Word. I learned to preach, and I learned how to share my life with people in such a way that would make disciples who make disciples. Lacey became a nurse, and all three of our children, Finley, Amos, and Rowan, were born into our family. Along those nine years, lastly, God seeded, deeply seeded, in me a love for His church and my calling as pastor. You see, I think there are two types of pastors. Well, that's probably simplistic and a bit reductionist, but bear with me. There are two types of pastors. Ones who feel called early in life and follow a linear path, more or less, from high school to undergrad to get a degree to a seminary to working in some entry-level job at a church, who knows doing what. And then there's the rest of us, who were minding our own business, making plenty of money and enjoying a brand new city with his brand new bride when the Lord shows up out of nowhere. One of the reasons I love the name Amos and why we named our only son after the prophet, was that he was not originally a prophet or even a priest. He was a shepherd, minding his own business in the fields when the Lord showed up in a vision. For Amos, the prophet, everything changed in that moment. There was no going back. The vision he had seen was a turning point, and God didn't show up and ask him, Hey, are you okay with this? I'd like to give you a new job. That, in my own words, 
is how we felt in leaving Nashville. The city was amazing. The church was incredible. Our friend group was starting to take shape, and the Lord jumped in, snatched us out of our comfort, and sent us halfway around the world to teach us what this life is ultimately about. And we would never be the same. At the end of those nine years, our time at our first church came to an end when our pastor asked me to consider helping plant a new church with a former member of that church here in Auburn. His name was Matt Dean. With our calling and vocations set and our heart fully submitted to the Lord, we were amazed once again at the faithfulness of God to keep us in the city that we loved as we began a new chapter in ministry. So in an effort to be honest with myself and with you, I ask myself in conclusion this question, why in the world would you want to work for a church? Working at Grace Auburn, serving as a pastor, a pastor to the people of this church, has been one of the greatest honors of my entire life. Second to being saved by Jesus and loving Lacey while raising our three children to know and love him, there is nothing I enjoy more than sitting across the table with someone while we consider the ways of this world and all of its empty promises and the way of Jesus. For me, that high call hasn't changed. Would you, dear brother or sister, stand at the crossroads and look? And would you, oh, would you follow Jesus? There truly is nothing else I'd rather give my life for. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a gift for me to be able to share with you in this way, and I hope our series of conversations along the way will encourage you in your own calling and ministry, wherever the Lord has placed you. Thank you.